This year is brought to you by TorahWeb.org. I was asked to speak about Elo in unprecedented times. I believe it's clear we live in unprecedented times due to many, many crises that beset us. But let us first discuss Elo in general. Elo comes every year. And I believe before we get to the specifics of Elo Tov Shin Pei, 2020, it behooves us to discuss Elul in general. Elul is famous for its acronyms, for its Rashi Tevos. I'd like to read to you from an improbable source, the Kitzvah Shulchan Aruch, which not everyone looks in these days. When I was younger, it was much more popular. In its opening paragraph about the laws of Elul, Kuf Chav Ches Aleph 128.1 The Kitzvah Shulchan Aruch rattles off a series of no less than four acronyms. Four different Roshay Tevos that the letters Elul, Aleph, Lamed, Vav, Lamed stand for. Let's go through them one by one. The most famous, of course, is Anila Dodi Vidodili. I am to my beloved, and my beloved is to me. Says the Kitzvah Shulchan Aruch, this refers to Tefillah, Rinas Dodim, the song of the beloved. This is a reference to the special emphasis on prayer that exists in the month of Elul. An additional acronym, Rosh Tevos, is a pasuk. We read in Parshas Nitzavim, Umal Hashem Alokecha, God shall circumcise, Es Levavcha Ve'es Levav Zarecha, your heart and the heart of your children. Es Levavcha Ve'es Levav, your heart and the heart, once again spells Aleph Lamed Vav Lamed Elo. The third a bit more of a famous verse in Megillah's Esther, Ish l're'ehu u'matonos lo evyonim. A friend, a man to his friend, and gifts to the poor. Also spelling Elu. Says the Kitzvah Shulchan Aruch, these three things refer to Teshuvah, u'mol ha'ashem alokecha is in the parasha of Teshuvah nitzavim, before going any further, I believe it's important to analyze the Vav. The Vav, in all three cases, we call the Vav HaChibur. It's a Vav as an and, means and. I'd like to suggest that in all three instances, it's important to separate the first two words from the last two words. There's an and in between. Let's begin with the most famous acronym, Anila Dodi Vidodili. I am to my beloved, my beloved is to me. Contrast this, the month of Elul, with the month of Av, which just passed. There too is a mutual relationship. But who takes the first step? Who takes the first step? 
in Echo we read, Hashivenu Hashem Elecha Finashuva. Yes, Hashem, you bring us, bring us to yourself, and we will return to you. Yes, Hashem, to take the first step. Not so when we change from the month of Av to the month of Elu. Here it's Anila Dodi Vidodi Li. We take the first step. That's an epic change, a dramatic reversal, if you will. Who takes the first step? All year long into Av, we ask Hashem, Hashivenu Vedashuva, bring us to you and we will return. All of a sudden we start, Elo, no, 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 it's not enough. Anile Dodi Vedodi Li. We must take the first step. This is why it's important to understand the difference, the first two words and the next two words. Anila dodi, vidodi li. There's another puzzle, dodi li vanilo, but that's not elu. Elu is important. We have to take the first step. This is as far as the most famous acronym, that of anila dodi vidodi li. But let's go to the other two. Umol Hashem alokecha, es levavcha, once again, the Vav Hebrew indicates that there are two separate and distinct steps in the Tshuva process being described in Pasha's Nitzavit. The entire verse reads as follows. We read the first half of the verse. How does the verse conclude? Concludes, listen carefully, please. The Avas Hashem Let's read the entire verse in, in English. Hashem, your God, will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring to love Hashem, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. Did you notice a discrepancy to the first half and the second half of this verse? In the first half, it talks about your heart. In the second half, it talks about all of your heart. In the first half, it mentions your children's heart, not in the second half. In my opinion, it signifies the following. If an individual wishes to do what he can to guarantee that his children, their heart will be circumscribed, which means they will be following the Torah, it's not enough for the individual to have his own heart circumcised. There's always a drop-off that you read as Sadoros. The only way to guarantee it is if you yourself will be if the parent will serve Hashem with all his heart and all his soul, this is the way that we can try to assure the Eslavav Zarecha that our children's hearts will also be circumcised because they will see the model of a father and a mother who are so enthused serving Hashem with all their heart and all their soul. Then we would hope that the children, we like our children to be more devout, better than ourselves. But even if there's someone of a drop-off, there will still be So once again, it's two stages. The first stage is the parent. The parent has to serve Hashem with all one's heart, all one's soul. That is a tshuva process. 
to serve Hashem completely. And then, then stage two, we hope the children will follow in the footsteps of their parents and will be able to also be involved in a circumscribed heart totally devoted to Hashem. That's number two. And so to number three, we had discussed so far Teshuvah and Tefillah. The third is Tzedakah. Once again, the two parts to the phrase. The first discusses giving portions to a friend. A friend, a friend is someone who is not necessarily impoverished. A friend is someone with whom you have a close relationship. You are connected to the individual emotionally, and you're supposed to send this individual portions on Purim. On Purim. It seems that this is based on a Rashi, an important Rashi in Parashat Mishpatim. There we find our responsibilities towards a poor individual. Im kesef talva es ami es imach. If you will lend money to my people, to the poor person, who is with you? Explains Rashi. Have a Look at yourself. As if you are poor. Which means when you give charity, there's no caste system. Wealthy and poor. That takes away from the midst of charity of Tzedakah. You are on his level. This is the Preface, when you have friends to whom you send portions and they reciprocate it typically, you're on the same level, you and your friend. Well, that's the prerequisite for the proper fulfillment of Matanas Levion in the second half as well. You are rich, he is poor, but it's all the same. Your level is the same. This is the way that tzedakah should be fulfilled. So to summarize so far, we've had the three acronyms of the Kitzur Shulchan Aruch, Kuv Chav Ches Aleph. They stand for Tshuva, Tfilah, and tzedakah. What a perfect beginning to the Yom HaMenoroyim. We know when we say in the Sanatokef, Tshuva, Tfilah, Tzedakah, repentance, and prayer and charity, Mavirin Esroa Hagzera, they will move away any evil decrees which may be in the books. This is such an important idea every year and certainly this year. But before we get to the real meaning of Elo, there's one more not so well known acronym of Rashi Tevis, quoted by the Kitzur Shulchan Aruch, the first one. And I read his words. The Ari quoted a verse, V'asher lo tzoda v'olakim ino liyado v'samti l'cha v'ashay tevos elu. Where is this pasuk? Also in Parshas Mishpatim, towards the beginning. I read you the pasuk inside. Listen to what it says. Read in English. But for one who has not lain in ambush 
and God has caused it to come to his hand, I shall provide you a place to which he shall flee. This is the idea of what we call an ir mikra, which we just read about in yesterday's parasha. We'll get back to it soon. This is the idea of ina liyado v'samti Now what does this have to do with Elo? Everything else until now we understood quite well. Teshuvah, tefillah, and tzedakah. What is the connection between this and the month of Elo? The Kitzvah Shulchan Aruch quotes it from the Ari. The Ari was a mystic. There's also a mystery. But how do we understand it even on our own simple level? How can we understand it? Explain the Kitzvah as follows. Chodesh Zehu Eis Ratzon L'Kabel Tshuvah Alachatoim She'osah B'chol HaShana This is a good month for tshuva for all year long. The gam remez, she gam alash gogos tzorach lasos to tshuva b'chodesh hazeh. Even for sins which are not purposeful ones, we'll call them accidental ones, the shogeg, a mistake. That's what happened in Ir Mikla. He killed someone by mistake. The same as he requires the atonement of the fleeing to a, a city of refuge, so too, an Elul, we should do it, be atoned by repenting for even sins which we did unintentionally. So explains the Kitzvah. Perhaps, let us focus a bit more deeply, especially since Ir Mikla was just read about yesterday's parasha. Why is this person punished if all he did was kill someone unintentionally. Unintentionally. Why should it be a punishment for an unintentional crime? Number one. Number two, how does the punishment fit the crime? How does going to an ear miklot somehow atone for this unintentional killing which the person did? That's my question. Here's my answer. An accidental killer is exiled only when he should have been more careful. Those who learn Makas know the Gemara that tells us this of the Mazin and Korah of the Onus. If he's close to something which is beyond his control, there is no exile. It's only a Shogeg who should have been more careful. Havale le Mizhar, he should have been more careful. And because he should have been more careful, even though it's totally unintentional on his part, this is why he must flee to a city of refuge. It was some measure of negligence. And why was there negligence? Because insufficient value was attached to human life. A person who values human life sufficiently will make sure to be as careful as possible. Almost impossible for him to have killed someone by mistake. As a matter of fact, as we well know, as the Gemara tells us again in Makos, we have a number of places where we find Irmikla. Three on the west of the Jordan, three on the east of the Jordan. And Makos Taftesim and Bays 9b asks, doesn't fit. Nine and a half tribes have three, and two and a half tribes have three. Answers the Gemara, Shani Gila the Nefishi Rotschim. There were many murderers on the east side of the Jordan River. But the question is obvious. 
Those are murderers. Murderers are people who kill intentionally. We're discussing someone who kills unintentionally. The answer is, where they're in a place of wanton murderers, accidental killings are more likely, since life is cheap. Life is cheap. People don't realize the full value of life, and therefore they're more prone to accidental murders as well. To atone for this attitude, the accidental killer is exiled to a city of refuge. How does the punishment fit the crime? Unable to leave, he has the time and the temperament to reconsider and to attach greater significance to life. This is rehabilitation, to use a modern term. This is not incarceration. It's rehabilitation. And this rehabilitation, as we hear today, is not to be accomplished by the strong hand of the police, but rather by the light hand of the Levian who inhabit these cities of refuge. Levian, we know, are much more focused on spirituality. We just read, they have no portion in the land. They're spiritual people. This will prevent a recurrence of unintentional murder when he emerges from the sanctuary, when he emerges from the city of refuge and rehabilitation, because he now has had time, we don't know how much, depends on the longevity of the Kohen Gadol, but he's had time to reconsider, to be rehabilitated, to attach greater value to life, and thereby, hopefully, there will not be an additional accidental killing. Now remember, if you look at Rashi on that Pasuk, Rashi explains it's not the first accidental murder of this person. He's done it once before when there were no witnesses. Now Hashem, should do it again with witnesses. He's already done it twice. So you have to pray he won't do it a third time. Make a chazaka. So once again, it's chronologically one after the other. Hashem arranged it. You already did it once. It's going to happen a second time in the presence of witnesses. And now when that happens, Hashem created it in order to give the opportunity of rehabilitation in the city of refuge in the Irmikla. So here too, we have the idea of the Vav HaChibur, the and separating the two halves of this puzzle. What does this have to do with Elul? Perhaps we can suggest Elul in time is the equivalent of the city of refuge in space. It is a time to attach greater significance to the value of life. This, we know, has to precede Elul. Ino liyado v'santi l'cha that Hashem sees to it that in Elul we have an opportunity to reevaluate, to reconsider what's important in life, that life itself is important. This is such an imp- a critical lesson which some of us don't recognize. And all year long, we're asleep at the switch. I read you the Rambam, famous Rambam, in Hilchos Teshuvah, 
very famous Rambam. Rambam says that even though the mitzvah of Shofar and Rosh Hashanah is Xeres HaKosuf, a divine edict, Remez Yeshbo, there was a hint. What's the hint? Wake up those who are sleeping from your sleep. And those who are in deep slumber should wake up from your slumber. And be involved in searching out your deeds. And repent. And remember your Creator. Those who forget the truth because of the, how should we say it, vacuous temporal concerns. They spent the whole year with silliness, with, with emptiness, which cannot have any good, which cannot save. Look into your souls. And improve your ways. And your deeds. Etc., etc., etc. This is the idea of the shofar. In olden days, it was sufficient to blow the shofar in Rosh Hashanah. Now we need a whole month of wake up. Many of us already heard the shofar on, on earlier on Friday and today. It's time to wake us up. It takes a long time to wake up. This is critical. This is the month of refuge, if you will, from the daily trivialities which numb our religious sensibilities all year long. This is the idea of Ina Liyado Vesanti Lucha. So a fourth, not so well known, Rashi Teva's acronym. But now I ask them a fundamental question. These are all acronyms. These are all hints. What does Elul really mean? What does Elul really mean? The answer is found in Parashat Shlach. In Parashat Shlach, the very beginning. Shlach l'cho anoshim v'yosuru es Eretz Kenan. Send forth men and let them spy out the land of Kenan. Says Unkelus, Shlach l'ch guvin v'ya'alulun. Vav Yud Aleph Lamed Lamed Vav Nun No Rashatavis. This is Elul. Elul is a time of spying out. What means spying out? You already heard in the Rambam. Nach Vesodarachenuvinachkorah. We spy out ourselves, our souls, our conduct for the last eleven months. How have we done? Where's the room for improvement? Shapu Masechem. Improve your deeds. The expression of Shofar. This is the simple meaning of the word Elul after all four acronyms. And that's what we are responsible to do each and every year in the month of Elul, to look inside and try to find places for self-improvement. This concludes part one of today's year, which could have been given last year as well. Any year. Any year. But my assignment this evening is to speak about Elul in unprecedented times. And I have not done that yet. So before I get to Elul in unprecedented times, I want to tell you three things from the Parshas HaShavua. 
And you'll see how I will attach them to the current events, the times that we have. My first two can be found in every Mikros, Gedolos, Chomish. Those who have them, feel free to take it out of your shelf. The very end of the Parshas HaShavua, the Parshas HaShavua of Shoftim we just read yesterday, ends with the story of the Egla Arufa, with quite a, an, an amazing pasuk, where the Zikne Ha'ir, the elders of the city, they come, and what do they say, the elders of the city? Amazingly. Yodeinu lo shafku es Our hands did not spill this blood, the blood of an individual who was found murdered along the roads. Murdered. And the elders say, well, we didn't do it. We didn't do it. So Rashi asks a very famous question. We didn't do it? Does anyone suspect the elders to be the ones who murdered somebody? If a corpse will be found in the land that Hashem, your God, gives you to possess it, fallen in the field, it was not known who smote him. The elders and judges shall go out and measure. And what do they say? They say, Our hands have not spilled his blood. Says Rashi, what? What do we think? Says Rashi, We did not see him leave our city and go out without food or without some kind of an escort. And had they done that, had they allowed him to leave the city with no food and no escort, they would be complicit to some extent, but they would not be able to recite this verse that our hands did not spill this blood. What does this mean? Says the Chizkuni, something quite remarkable. Had we left him with no food, what happened? What's the presumed scenario? He had no food. He saw an individual who had a lot of food on the way. He went to grab the food from him because he was he had a, no choice. He was starving to death. The person from whom he wanted to steal the food killed him. That's what happened. Well, in some measure, it's the fault of the elders of the city because he was so poor. He was starving to death. He needed food. So he tried to steal it from somebody who then killed him. So you cannot say there's no culpability whatsoever to the elders of the city. That's the Cheskun. Literally next to Cheskuni, in my version, right next there, is a Sfarno. And what does the Sfarno say? The Sfarno says as follows, We did not allow a known predator to inhabit the land. Had they allowed such a predator to inhabit the land, and he in fact murdered this innocent individual, it would not be possible to say our hands did not spill the blood. It would bear some measure of responsibility, even though they didn't kill anybody themselves. These are the two interpretations we have found next to each other on this verse. But I'd like to have one final insight into the Parsha, and then get back to Elul in unprecedented times. This is an insight of the Meshe Chachma. 
commenting on a verse again in this week's parasha, the parasha of Shoftim. We'll read the verses together and we'll see the difficulty and how it's resolved. Quite remarkable. The Myachit, again, we talk about the various cities. Right? We have three cities and three cities. Right? Very nice. Total of six. And the word is v'im, which literally means and if. Art scroll takes the liberty to translate when. When? Usually, 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 the word im means if. Now, there may be a few exceptions. We mentioned one of them a few minutes ago. There it says if. Rashi quotes all if all ims are if except for three. Right? This is one of them. The discussion about a certain carbon you have to bring. But this one? This one sounds like it means if. Despite arts growth. Okay? If Hashem will broaden your boundary as he swore to your forefathers. He give you the entire land that he spoke to your forefathers to give. Ki sishmar as kol ha mitzvah azos la soso. Hashanochi mitzav chayom la'avad Hashem alokecha l'lechot b'drav chalai ha'amim. Whoa, a tall order. What does that mean? When you observe this entire commandment to perform it, which I command you today to love Hashem your God and to walk in his ways and all, all the years, then you shall add three more cities to these three. Says Rashi, what this means is, Kasha Nishba and Pasha's Lechlacha, Kaini Kinesi Vikadmoni. What does it mean, Kaini Kinesi Vikadmoni? If you look back at Pasha's Lechlacha, Hashem promises Avram. Not the land of seven nations, the land of ten nations. And the very first three, Kaini, Kinesi, Vikadmoni, Rashi there explains what it means. Ten nations, not seven. These three are Edom, Moab, and Ammon, which will get Le'osid in the eschatological era. This has not been given to us yet. It will be given to us. So the question becomes, if Hashem promised us, why does it say if? So Rabbi Otsko decided to say it means when. Okay. We, we love Otsko. But here it sounds like it should mean if. So Nevesha Chachma has a remarkable interpretation. He says, the Talmud teaches us in the Sefer Sanhedrin, the two possible scenarios of the ultimate salvation. One, at the end of days, it's called the Ita. One, is Achishena. I will hasten it. Ani Hashem bi'ita Achishena. There are two possibilities. That's a verse from Yeshaya. We read it at the end of the parasha, Haftorah of Parshas Kisovo. Ani Hashem bi'ita Achishena. And it means two different, totally different ways that this eschatological era can look. Listen to the words of Rameya Simcha. The end of days, I'm going to give you a one possible endpoint which you find explicit in the Chazal. 6,000 years. It's well known that we study in the Talmud that the world will exist for 6,000 years. We don't know exactly what it means, but 
But that's what it says. So let's say Mashiach will not come till the year 6,000. Presumes Rameya Simcha that in the year 6,000 to be a complete reversal of the human condition. The world's going to be a t- totally different world. He quotes verses, the most famous one, that the wolf will live with the lamb. Says Rabbi Simcha, in such a world, a world of peace, there will no longer be accidental killings. Quite a presumption. May I add to his words, that's because everyone will attach so much value to human life that no one is going to be careless and negligent. However, what will happen if it's Achishena? The world will come, this, this Mashiach will come now, 5780. Month of Elo, Mashiach is going to come. The world's not going to change so dramatically. Besides a different Gemara, Ein ben Olam Azeli Mosa Mashiach, Elishibud Malchios Bavad, the Gemara Masefta Brachos. Olam Kimen Hagon Oeg, the world will continue to exist, just there'll be less anti Semitism, less war, etc. But the, but the dramatic change will not have happened yet, in which case we'll have accidental murders and we'll need cities of refuge. Ah, says the Meshachach. The Im, the Im, the If, doesn't mean if God will widen your boundaries. He certainly will. But the second half of the phrase, if God will widen your boundaries when you serve him completely, that's called Zachu. That means Achishena, that Mashiach will come right now. The world will not have dramatically changed. If that scenario evolves, you have to have three additional cities of refuge. Implying if the other scenario evolves, the Mashiach will not come until 6,000. At 6,000, there's already going to be a whole different world. And as a result of that, there will no longer be a need for Ir Miklat. There will be no longer any accidental murders. That's why it's an if statement, not a when statement. These are my three comments on Pasha's Shoftim. Let us now attach these three to the crises that we face today. Now, I follow, I'm mostly homebound, but I follow a lot on the, on the various updates. Some come from the New York Times or Time Magazine or other things I see. There were three major crises they talk about this this long, hot summer. And I'll go what I consider to be ascending order. The first is climate change. Oh, boy. Climate change, the whole climate change problem, the whole world's coming to an end. It's terrible. Yes, there are those who debunk the theory completely. We know that. Sitting in prominent places in government. We're not going there right now. And others are screaming. Every day that goes by, we're bringing an end to the planet. And my response is, I'm not a prophet. All I know is, they're saying, you know, if you don't do anything, another 250 years, there's going to be a disaster here. Well, 250 years from now is after the year 6,000. So we cannot prognosticate to anything beyond that. And therefore, I think we should take it seriously, but we should not go to the lengths and extremes that some people are going. We should be responsible 
should do our share in our recycling and our preserving, and we shouldn't waste fuel and water. I'm not going to that right now. But you understand, it is a crisis, but let us not mean that the world, end of the world is the doomsday is coming upon us. That's crisis number one. Crisis number two, the riots in the streets of the United States of America. A very, very serious crisis. I'm not here to analyze it in depth or take too much time, but I'll say one thing. We have a government. There are many governments on many levels. There's a federal government, there's a state government, there's a city government. Can these governments say, that our hands did not spill this blood? We just read the Chizkuni, who says that if people are poor, if they're impoverished, and they need food, they're likely to take food from somebody else, which is considered theft. And the possibility exists that the potential victim of the theft will take out a weapon and kill the person who's trying to steal his food. It happened already so many years ago in the Egla Rufa narrative as understood by the Chizkuni. So therefore, while I'm not in government, you cannot say that the governments, federal, state, and local respectively, are completely blameless for the upsurge in in murders that have taken place this long, hot summer because there's so much poverty. We keep reading about poverty and poverty and poverty and the connection between poverty and murder. Correct. The Chizkuni said so a long time ago. I'm not here to offer solutions how we get to re- eliminate the poverty. That's the responsibility of government, not of individuals such as myself. But that it's something which should be looked at as a, as a goal, absolutely, as we see in the words of the Chizkuni. But my main topic for this evening, which I really want to discuss at a little, a little bit greater length, is Corona. Corona. The Corona crisis is a real crisis. This is not a, a real... It's killed so many people. You keep hearing numbers. In the USA, I heard over 176,000, as I just heard last night. But that's in the country at large. I'm in the habit of New York City. I've lived my whole life in New York City. New York City far and away are the greatest numbers of deaths. At one point in time, so one of those charts, we had 7.7 times as many deaths in a few-week period than in the normal year. No other city had even half of that at their peak. We suffered the worst, the very worst. What does it mean to us? What does Corona mean to us? What does it mean to us? We have to look on the Rambam. The Rambam says at the very beginning of the laws of Tanios, of fast days, and I read the Rambam's words. Mitzvahs asei menat Torah. There's a positive commandment in the Torah itself. Lizok, to cry out. Any problem, crisis, which besets the community. For example, gives examples. Sever. Sever is Corona. Sever is a plague. If a plague comes, we have to cry out to Hashem. This is part of Shuva. When a Tzorah comes, when a crisis comes, and the cry out to Hashem about it, because of our bad deeds, this is what happened. This prayer 
which follows the realization that they've done something wrong and they want to improve upon it. It's this tshuva, it's this tefillah, it's this tzakah. Ma'avir and Yisro will eliminate the plague of Corona from our midst. Lest you think Corona is a worldwide plague. What does it have to do with the tiny, tiny Jewish and even more so Torah observant population? The answer was given by the Chafetz Chaim a hundred years ago. There was a terrible natural tragedy in the Far East. And the Chafetz Chaim says this tragedy is a wake-up call for the Jews living in Europe. Hashem is waking you up by sending this tragedy. If you don't wake up, Khalil can come closer and closer. We know what happened uh, 15 years after that, that terrible tragedy, what happened to the Jews of Europe. Hashem is sending us a message. It started off in China, but it came very close to us very quickly. We have to repent and recognize it's not a, a, a freak accident. It happened in a lab. It happened in a fish market. It's tumbling where it began. Hashem sent it to us. It's a wake-up call for all of Torah observant Jewry to involve in, in, become involved in introspection, as Rambam demands. Avalam lo yizaku, if they will not cry out to Hashem, they'll say, Minigolim yiralanu, nikri nikris, yeah, something got out in the lab somewhere, in a fish market somewhere, and it spread from the east to the west. Harezu derech agzorios. This is a way of cruelty. Why is it cruelty? We'll see in a moment. It's cruel. Number one, you will stick with your bad ways. It's only an accident. Why should I do tshuva? This Christ will beget greater ones. If when a problem comes, you say it's an accident. It'll be a, a, a fury, a fury of carry by Hashem. I brought COVID-19. So you should do tshuva. It's an accident of nature. I'll make it worse. Second wave. Don't even contemplate it. But Corona remains a present danger. Whoever tells you otherwise, and there are many such naysayers who say, it's over already, no problem, is not telling the truth. Unfortunately. You name the community, I'm speaking now from knowledge. You want to call it Lakewood, you want to call it Muncie, you want to call it uh, Farakaway. I know of cases. There are people lying in hospitals now with new cases. There are new situations of positive testing. I'll speak anecdotally. I have a grandson who was supposed to begin yeshiva today. He was told, don't come because somebody was at a certain event with you, tested positive for COVID-19. The whole class is shut down. And as I'm sorry to say, the governor of New York said, are you more concerned with bars and restaurants or opening up the school on time? Or as our very, very 
devoted Rabbi Dr. Aaron Glad said, are you more concerned about Kiddush in Shul on Shabbos or about davening in Shul on Yom Naroim? It could be one or the other. This is the challenge that we face today. They call it fatigue. Different names are given to it. Quarantine fatigue, corona fatigue. This is exactly the age Sahara is speaking to us. You ready quarantine? Ready in March and April? It's all over. Looked in community A or B. They're no longer wearing masks, and no one's getting sick, and no one is dying. It's all behind us. I believe that Rabbi Glad quoted someone who compared it to a little brush fire. A little brush fire. They told me 20 people in Farakway, 20 in in, in Woodmere, 20 in West Hempstead. A little brush fire. If you put out the brush fire, fine. If you don't, look in California now. They didn't put out the brush fires. They have to, the, the state is burning down with, with out of control forests burning, that, burning like crazy. Chalila v'chaz, if we're not careful, if we don't wear masks and observe social distance and keep our hands clean and washed, chas v'sholem. It's too hard, difficult to contemplate. There could be an additional wave. It's too scary even to think about. It really is. It really is. It's something which is so important for us to hear. I was told that in one of the universities, I heard this last night, the university, they come back to study. But you know what goes on in university. They're not there for study. They're there for partying. They're these big parties. So one of the uh, more responsible student newspapers says, please stop these parties unless you want us, instead of writing articles, to write obituaries. That's a language which maybe even a 20-year-old can understand. We are the Am Chacham Venavon, the wise people. We should fail in this test, the test of being careful, the test of watching out, the test of realizing that Hashem sent us Corona. And He sent us Corona as an Isoyon, as a test, as a challenge for us to be able to continue to be vigilant, to continue to pray out, pray out, pray out to Hashem, especially in Chodesh Elul. In unprecedented times, we have to be unprecedentedly careful. Whoever heard of masks and distance, we never heard of these things before. But this is what saves lives. At the beginning, the OU came out with their mantra, stay home, save lives. It's still true. It's still true. Stay home, save lives. And don't let anyone tell you that the danger is past. It's not true. It is true but not at the level of obituaries we had in, in the month of March and April. That's certainly true, at least in the New York City area. Does not mean that the danger is past. Here's where the challenge comes. When everyone was forced to stay home, except for a few irresponsible people, it was fairly easy. Stay home, save lives. Once we're able to go out, we can come to school, and we can have weddings. How do you have weddings? I was invited to five weddings the last few weeks. I went to three and not to two. The three I went to, everybody was wearing a mask. The two I did not go to, no one was wearing a mask. I felt it's not appropriate for me to come to such weddings. Even if I'm wearing a mask, 
First of all, who wants to stick out like a sore thumb? One person from my community went to this wedding. She was the only person of who knows how many people were there wearing a mask. One. She comes from our community. We're still wearing masks in the shoes and the streets. Other communities, unfortunately, this kind of critical, critical precautions are not being taken, unfortunately. I'm not here to criticize any individual. I'm here because I was asked to speak about Elul in unprecedented times. Just to review, because I know my time is already up. We began with four acronyms for the month of Elul. The first two representing Tshuva, Tzfila, and Staka. As I told you, with the Vav, two stages in each one, one before the other. Number four, not so famous. Of the Arizal, the way I explicated it, it's a bit different than the Kitzer. It means that El is a time of refuge comparable to the space of refuge, which we reconsider the value of life. That's what we're discussing right now in Corona. The value of life. It's more valuable to save life than to go to a Kiddush. The value of life. You have to think about it, especially now in the month of El, when others are forgetting about it somehow or other. We have to reinforce it as best we can. Such an important concept. The value of life. That's why you'll be more careful. You will not commit a third accidental murder, as we explained before. And then, Elu really means Targum and Shlach, the Alalun, to spy out, to be involved in introspection, which is true each and every Elu. Then we move to Elu in this year, Elu Tavshin Pei. 2020, we explain the connection to the Parashat Shavua, the connection of what I called the question of how long the world is going to last, when will the nature of the world change, as a possible antidote to those who are panicking about climate change. We spoke about the idea of responsibility of elders or of governments to eliminate poverty, because poverty leads to murder in the case of Egla Rufa. And finally, we spoke about the responsibility of the Zikanim to remove predators. Someone who's a Rotseach, we shouldn't let him roam around. You may know that there were great rabbis, much greater than myself, who proclaimed not long ago that someone who does not keep the restrictions of Corona is a Rodef and a possible Rotseach, is a pursuer and a possible murderer. People took it so seriously, I received a phone call. Does that mean I can kill him? I said, no. It means you can call the police. That's what you can do. The job of Rabbanim, such as myself, who are in today's lowly generation, the Ziknei Ha'ir, of the elders of the city, to say we do not want people who are Khalil of can be murdering even unintentionally, roaming the, the streets without masks, without distance. This is our responsibility. I take it very seriously. Very seriously. And I believe that everyone on the Zoom should take it seriously and perhaps communicate it to others while not taking it as seriously that Ella is the time to recalculate, to reevaluate, put the greater emphasis on life on spiritual life as the Levim do. That's how they rehabilitate the 
the, the one who killed the Shogeng. This is the essence of what it's all about. Wake up! He blow the chauffeur to wake up. People are sleeping with the Havle Hazman, the sillinesses of time, temporal pleasures. How can they measure up against the eternal, against the spiritual, against the preservation of life for the purpose of more Torah and more mitzvahs, Shuvim and Tovim, which is so important all year long and especially in Elul. I conclude with a prayer. Yes, it's true. Shuva Tfilot Staka Bavirinus Roa Hakzeira. When is it said? I will end by pulling out my Magzer for Rosh Hashanah. Here's my Magzer. It's already out. Some of you may know that I put out on Torah Web as recently as Thursday uh, guidelines for Rosh Hashanah for this year, this unprecedented year. You may have to even shorten the, 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 the prayer service. So my Magzer is out. Yes, we said last year, Shuva Tfilot Staka. But in the previous paragraph, we were very, very devoted when we said, Kamayavon, Kamayibareon, who will pass from the earth, who will be created, who will live and who will die, who will die in his predestined time, who before his time. And then we go express. Because the other thing is that we don't, we don't think about it anymore. Mayim, Eish, Cherev, Chaya, Rav, Tzama, Rash. What's the next one? Umiba Magefa. Umiba Magefa. Who by plague? Chatosi. When I said this last for Shoshani Yom Kippur, never entered my wildest dreams. Think about a plague. The last plague was a hundred years ago. The Spanish flu. Never entered my mind. And perhaps because I, I didn't, we didn't pray, this shouldn't happen. And it happened. And once it happened, we end with the tshuva, utfila, utstaka, mavir, and asroa, Repentance, prayer, and charity remove the evil of the decree. May we all engage in these critical activities in the month of Elul, and all the evil decrees should be removed, and everyone, all of Klai Yisrael, should be zocheh, to exiva v'chasima tova, to a year of Chaim v'sholom, life, good health, and peace. Amen v'amen.